<laughs> Miss Jara, Miss Thang. Peace, y'all. Welcome to the Fit Get on code. All right, welcome to Get on Code, the Fly Guy Show, which is a series of melanated conversations focused on empowerment, health, wealth, and knowledge of self. People think in binary choices because they are conditioned to. And on the wall was a picture of a wolf and a lion. I think the wolf was the Democratic Party, the lion was the Republicans. But the drug trade and all these illegal stuff that uh, people do, that's still economics. It's just that they couldn't do it in a traditional system. We're talking about melanated wealth. So we can build wealth, but we just, for some reason, don't seem to be able to transfer it. You had a great experience. Fine, that means nothing. What were you told as a child about education? You had to be how many times better? Every impression without an expression becomes depression. Peace, y'all. I'm so excited. It's week two. We celebrate Women's History Month, and I got my girls with me. Uh, last week, we were talking about... Um, Ooh, a little bit of everything from sexual health to wellness to uh, trauma, how we heal a lot of things. So real quick, I just wanted everybody to introduce themselves before we start the conversation. Well, Let's start with you. Oh, go ahead. Well, my yeah. name is Malara um, Green. <laughs> um, I am your favorite therapist. I didn't hear that. Coach. Can you guys hear me? Yes. Yes. Okay, great. Um, so I'm Alara Green. I'm your favorite therapist, your confidence coach, or just a servant of God. Um, and what I do is I go into your right now and I help you become mentally sane because when I die, I want suicide to die with me. Um, I do that as a therapist, a confidence coach, and a Reiki master and so much more. And I'm just here tonight to just chat with my sisters and hopefully bring some transformation and healing to your life. So, what about you, Sam? Welcome. First of all, I'll say welcome, sis. Uh, I am uh, Sam the Artist, also known as Sam, aka Golden Flows of Funkhauser. Uh, I dance and I try to help heal people through the, the art of dancing and through the arts in general, um, doing color practitioning and um, moving dance uh, practitioning uh, holistically uh, so that people can actually do something with their health and their bodies that will benefit them for the long run. Uh, that's what I'm here tonight is to talk about uh, just that and how we reconnect to our femininity through that um, and knowing that's a healing tool that people can use and it's free. Like you can find it anywhere. It's like it, it's a beat, catch it. <laughs> um, and that's why I'm here. Guess it leaves me. So, <laughs> hi, I'm Rosalind, your life coach. I am with Alchemic Aura. That's the name of my company, and uh, we're a wellness, um, virtual wellness company that uh, focuses on mind, body, spirit wellness. I'm a certified life coach, certified um, fitness instructor, and um, we focus on all things wellness. I'm also um, reflexologist and aromatherapist. I do all things natural, alternative healing, alternative remedies, and I'm excited to be up here with my daughter, the fit goddess, and all these beautiful queens who, uh, oh my God, the knowledge is in incredible. I just can't, can't wait to get started. I'm so glad it's Women's Month so we can celebrate us and our 
domain. Yes. <laughs> that's right. That's right. You say I got on my uh, Obama shirt representing all, all women and fitness all in one, right? So yes. let's, let's get into it heavy. Um, well, I guess I should introduce myself. I'm the fit goddess, right? Founder of Fit Goddess Tribe. We are a health and wellness brand that uh, promotes healthy lifestyle habit changes, right? And we do it through the family unit, especially the individual, the couple, and then of course the community. We love to curate events that bring health and wellness to everybody. So let's get the conversation started. Sam, what do you want to talk to us about today? So um, when I was approached by Jara for this, I kind of wanted to make sure I said something that was worthwhile and in, and the hot topic of conversation, which was the meaning behind how we view femininity and uh, from the culture that we live in. And then, of course, how we to reconnect that to our natural ways and the natural cultural definitions of women. Um, as you know, um, when you invade or when it, people are invaded, uh, they have a tendency to re reestablish what it defines in the social classes to be uh, this or that and that bringing that forth. So um, for a long time, how we view ourselves is not even how we, our ancestors viewed ourselves. And that's something that we probably should reclaim for the sake of sanity um, because we've been brought into this, this situation uh, in an unfortunate, insane kind of way. So for the the concept of reclaiming our, our, our femininity from a natural place, we definitely have to go back to our ancestors and what they thought and what kind of falls into the line of being the feminine divine. That's my point. <laughs> so you said bringing, uh, redefining our femininity back to um, like Sankofa, looking back to where we came from. Um, my mom was talking last week uh, via the chat about chakras. You were talking about alignments with chakras. Um, how do we redefine or realign ourselves with our original vision or image? Yeah, anybody can answer. Um, well, I I will start. I know I know I know Queen Green is gonna finish it, but let me <laughs> let me just say for the record because she's got me she got me she got me uh excited last week talking about the root chakras and um the point she the point she made that I I love that she brought it home was that we have to start there in our in our divine feminine. And that aspect of us is where our power comes from. And the root chakra is the opening of the way. They call it heaven in some cultures. Um, because it's an enjoyable, it's an enjoyable situation. I mean, I don't think God would have made sex so wonderful if he if there wasn't a real purpose behind it, so so that we can have more of it, so that we can create more of it, her, him, the the creator, um, we have to open up and impregnate and become impregnated, and not, and that the, that doesn't just happen physically; it also happens spiritually. We we are impregnated with thoughts, we're impregnated with feelings, we're impregnated with words, and then we express them. And so, as far as our 
divine, that is where it begins and that's where it ends. We were made in the image and likeness of God. And the image and likeness of God is the male and female principle. I think the Bible says that when he created us, he made he and she, made he them. So that we are all aspects of each other. So to reclaim that is like the, we didn't really we didn't really lose it, but we lost ourselves in terms of our um, our race, you know, our our divine heritage and our ancestry and our legacies and our traditions and belief systems. So in order for us to go back, we have to go down to the root. What are the roots? It will grow. I'm, I'm done. So Sorry. Would you say, and this again is to anybody, would you say then with what uh, Rosalind said that we've lost our discipline? Well, when you lost the discipline, you've lost the ritual. I'm sorry, excuse me, let me just jump on you. But um, like, so the idea that if you don't know the ritual, then how can you have the discipline to do the ritual to ascertain the power from the ritual that is like deeply embedded in you. It's like a D the DNA code that you already have. Um, when I was doing my dance history, I looking back into how you were doing moves that they've never even seen. They can do something that's like a muscle memory, but it's a, instead of a muscle memory, it's an ancestral memory. So the memory you have to keep revitalizing is the one you have to remember long enough to do it. It's not just, oh, I'm gonna do this, um, but have no knowledge or intention of how to do it or why it's important. Um, for you to do, and even when to do it, um, that's that's also crucial. So all of those things help you get to the discipline part. If I answered your question, I love it. What about you, Myla? I know you want to say something. Yeah, I was gonna say. You know, I think a huge part of it is we are disconnected from our physical bodies, and that part that is something that mm -hmm. I've been talking about over the last couple of days, where I've done a disservice for some people because. I focus so much on the mind and positive affirmations and affirming yourself and knowing your purpose, knowing your vision. But we're so disconnected from the creation in which the creator created. And when we can actually become one with our actual physical body, this temple, this vehicle, this masterpiece, I think that's how we're going to be able to reclaim our femininity. We have literally um, re-imaged the masterpiece creation. Um, we talk about how we should look. We talk about what size we should be. Uh, we talk about when we should give away our prized possession and when we shouldn't. Like there's so many rules to this thing called body but we don't even accept this body you know we we try to change it so much if i ask somebody right now how much weight you want to lose most people have a set weight i have yet just met somebody who just love their outer appearance um and it's that piece of if we can get to a space where we can actually build a positive relationship with our bodies then when we do go down and we root down we can be connected to her and there's not this disconnect that is there so i feel a big part of it is it goes like kind of like the queen was saying internally we have these messaging of how we move our bodies how we build relationship with our bodies but we live in a world that has told us the opposite of it like everything else controls when we do certain things when we move when we like it's, it's so much control so i feel like if we can just build an intimate relationship with our physical bodies then we can really reclaim our femininity 
because then nothing outside of us is defining it, but we're able to honor what was naturally given to us and really being able to embrace that. Yeah, I love concur, concur. I concur. I concur. For y'all who know me, know that through fitness, I train the brain much like Myra does, but I also use the body, right? I'm training the brain to move the body to make that brain body connection, like you're saying. So I absolutely look, love that you say that because most people um, confuse the endorphins and the jovial feeling from working out with me as if I've done something. And I'm like, ah. Baby, that was all you. Now you're seeing how your mind is so powerful, like you're saying, to if we change how we think, I will look like everything that I intend to as the God that I'm created to look like. Once I relax my mind and let go of controlling um, the stereotypes, the stigmas, the images, the, you know, the prejudices, the biases, the, the fears and all of that. So I guess then... My question is, how do we assist as healers to scaffold, right? It's It was a big task for each of us to be able to get to this level of thought. But in this program, what, let's say three things, can we give them right now to help them get there? Um, my three things that I always give my clients, I tell them, you got to tell me three things you love about yourself every day. And it doesn't matter what. It can be, you know, I love my hair color. I love my nose. It doesn't have to be big because... That thought alone, unfortunately, draws a lot of women to tears. And I remember because I was there too. But so my piece is three things you love about yourself every day. Whoever next, let's go. Um, I'll say um, do, feed yourself in these three areas every day. Feed your mind, feed your body, and feed your spirit. That's, that's blessing. That's good. That's peace. Um, I would say um, move. If you can, if you never you have a problem, whether good or bad, um, dance it out. Like actually move your body, move your hips and enjoy moving your hips like the trees. Don't let trees or don't let society tell you what to do with your body. Just like move and it's okay. <laughs> Whatever happens, keep moving. <laughs> so that's my idol. And for me, I would say harmony, man. Um, life has so many dualities going on at one time that sometimes we become off balance because we're focused just on one thing. Um, so whether that is my physical health, my mental health, my spiritual life, my family life, my cash flow. It's like when you focus too much on one thing, you cannot reach a level of harmony um, to really be able to move forward. And someone up here actually put Hebrew crossover. And I smiled a little bit because one of my daughter's middle name is Iver, um, which means to cross over. Uh, that is the, the Hebrew word for uh, crossing over. So um, it's that space of giving myself permission to know that I'm going from the old me to the new me. Um, I think sometimes people that are trying to find a, a new space in life, it's easy to do all this research and then pull on whatever one thing works, but you really do have to do a crossover from the old you to where you are right now. So finding harmony. Um, in all areas of your life. And those areas I tell people is your spiritual, your mental, emotional, physical, social, and your cash flow. If I have at least one thing I'm doing each day in those areas, now I'm going to have a harmony and nothing's going to fall short while I'm trying to transition um, and change into who I'm trying to be. Oh, blessings. Thank you, sis. Thank you. Thank you so much. So 
Um, I love that she said the harmony, right? Me and my mom went through this yesterday in terms of breaking down a schedule. And I've had this done with me with my sons. You know, you've got to learn new words. You've got to do so much. However, we negate that there's a lot of time in each day to get a lot done. It's just we kind of squirrel ourselves away. And then we make big excuses for things that don't really require a big excuse. So I guess with that, right, ladies, um, you know, for me, it's always about the mindset, creating that fit goddess mindset to where we're fit mentally, spiritually and physically. Right. So for us, that's abundance. How do we get from the scarcity mindset to abundance, which is a flow, especially women are cyclical. So we know it. It's much easier when we tap in to be like, oh, my relation is always like my mom said, childbirth. Oh, here we go. Here come the contractions. We're much closer. It's coming. And then I'm like, oh, it's born. There's a release. There's a big period of which I feel um, still energetic, but not as heavy. And I know that now that the baby must be nurtured. So again, how do we get that constant state of flow to where there's less turbulence from the scarcity, right? That transition. How do we help get from the scarcity to the abundant mindset? Anybody can go. So for me, I would say, um, not to cut everybody off, is to be grateful, to find your gratitude and everything, even in scarcity. The, the concept of scarcity being a negative thought is almost just as bad as saying stress is negative. It's not. You actually need stress to actually level up. So you need scarcity to appreciate abundance. So when scarcity is there, you're like, man, I'm, I was so grateful for that time I had all this. And now I'm grateful that there's space cleared out for me to get more. Thank you for that. Thank you in, in that regard and keeping that mindset every day that you are awake, every day that you arise and telling yourself to be grateful, uh, just being grateful for getting up. All of that there leads to accepting, which is hard sometimes to accept scarcity. That will lead you to accept scarcity because you're so grateful for everything in general that when scarcity comes along, you're like, all right, cool. This, I, I'm grateful for this too. Let's keep it moving. Absolutely. Who's next? Don't queen. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to wait, y'all. Um, I should so keep her. We should keep her for last anyway. Save the best for last. But oh, Lord. We're <laughs> all best. We're all best. Um, so to that question, what I tend to tell people is we need to stop chasing, man. Um, that's where scarcity comes from. You know, your life becomes what you focus on. I don't know about y'all, but every time I purchase a new vehicle, by the time I get home, I didn't see five or six of the same vehicle because my focus is on the fact I got this brand new bad vehicle. Right. Um, so what ends up happening is when we think of scarcity or we think that I got to keep doing or I need to get more accolades, more credentials, I need to be in this space, that space. We're in a chasing mode, but I'm learning that there is a beauty in being still. And I'm, you know, God is my everything. So I believe in being still and knowing that he is God. I think that scarcity mindset come from the fact that we don't have that faith. Um, and we focus so much on is something that I need to do. But listen, Psalms 139 tells us that every single day was already written out. So the thing that we're sitting here, we're chasing and we're trying to call to happen it's not going to happen in our time regardless. So I think if we can do more of being still, that scarcity mindset will limit a little bit. And if we think about it in this way, I tell people that 
money is like a bird. If you go out and you chase that bird, that bird is going to fly away. But the moment that I actually sit back and I watch that bird before I know it, it's going to be a bunch of birds coming. And I'm the weirdo that's be like, oh, she didn't stole her baby daddy and things like that. But that's what cash does. That's what your abundance do is it's going to chase after you. You don't have to chase after it. Um, so that's what I think will change that scarcity mindset. See, I always relate cash to a woman. You know what I'm saying? You talk to her nice, real sweet. She going to be all in your face. You know what I'm saying? She going to stay with you. You talk to her nasty. You don't treat her well. You don't make no plans with her. Deuces. I'm out. You know, I, I don't have time <laughs> to deal with the fact that you don't know what to do with all this abundance. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, what about you, mama? What, how, do we, how do we help them get from scarcity to um, abundance? Well, I think uh, Queen Malara hit the nail on the head with the faith. But since we are trying to uh, associate what we we're dealing with regarding um, the the body, the physical body and the chakras, you know, and what's happening in here that we can't see, we know, we already know and have determined that the root chakra is where scarcity comes from. This is this is you holding on to, and so we're we we're, we've got to remember that we were we were lied to, and that we were taught that we're not great, and that we have to depend on something or someone else or a job to to maintain our existence, and that's not true. The food, the animals, everything was here before the jobs came. So when you recognize that you've been here all these years. Uh, well, for me, I've been here for a couple of decades, longer than most of you. But still, you know, my heart's been beating in my chest for almost six decades. My lungs have been breathing. I have nothing to do with that. I didn't have to do anything. I didn't have to think about it. It just happened. So if I realized that everything I've ever had um, was was provided without me having to worry about it until I got a job, and was making money, you know, then if that was true all that time, it, it should be true for the rest of my life. So I shouldn't be worried and stressed about having abundance when I know that the source of all abundance comes from the place it's always come from all this time, all these billions of years that the earth, earth has existed. So what is my input and stress and worry have to have to do with it? I, I create the scarcity worrying about it and the sister said when she said faith that was it in a nutshell i mean that's what i want to waste time worrying about absolutely nothing tell us about things no that's what i wanted to, to point out that like i said you're both linked up into it like so uh mind you i'm not particularly christian but the idea and concept of faith is not beyond me the con it, it's this it's i feel like it's no more different than manifestation It's you the thought it's actually no more different than the psychological uh or the the physiological things that happens in your brain when you think like you have a thought and it's that it doesn't exist out in the world yet it's still right here and then you do do the thing and then it's like oh you created it no it's the faith the faith is the thought the thought then becomes a real thing and it becomes the life. So yeah, having the faith of it and knowing that it's not, it's not, it's not real. You can, you're putting scarcity as a thing and you don't have to make it real. You can put abundance as a thing and make that real too. Um, so yeah, that's, that's the power of your mind and of your ability, physiological, psychological, emotional, all of that. 
Absolutely love it. So that means somewhere our faith was broken, causing what? PTSD, right? So now we are all suffering from this mental trauma of breaking our faith. I'm just recapping what we've just said, right? And now we need to recover from this mental uh, physiological trauma, aka PTSD. So how do we help them recover? How do how did you help yourselves recover? Um, for me, I, I think I learned some trust exercises. I had to start trusting in myself to really execute the things that I said I could execute. Um, I know for, for a real fact is that it happened with my daughter. Um, I had to show her something. Like She started drawing when she was five, and then she, she kept it up like for years and years and years and years. And then every time she thinks that she can't do something or can't learn something, I'm like, yo, no. You, you did this when you were five and it's garbage. You did something now when you were 12 and it looks like a masterpiece. You just have to be consistent. So having consistently looking at the things that worked in the past for me, what I didn't have to do, then they were effortless. And I'm like, oh, then I have the confidence to keep going forward, to break down the trauma of not believing in myself, not being confident in the things that I do. All I had to do was look back at what I did. And that's a that's a great way to keep a little journal of that. I did this, 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 that, and the other. And when I feel bad, look at that journal. Hey, remember when you did all these things? Well, don't worry about the next thing. <laughs> you did those things. So you can do the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. It'll be fine. <laughs> so that's helpful. I love it. Who's next? I'll, we'll save the best for last. Um, I'm going to go and uh, say that the, the the stress the trauma because I'm I usually um, I have a few clients that are emotional trauma patient um, clients as well and what happens is what what you're saying is, is uh, says Sam is absolutely correct I agree with you 120 percent this this thing that it one leads right into the other in terms of it being a um, stress uh, or, or, or an ideology of scarcity versus abundance. When we are depleted and we are psychologically, mentally and emotionally depleted because we came into the scene, we came on the scene being depleted. We were snatched from, we were taken from, and then we were here and more was snatched and taken from. And now we're still here in, an, in a hostile environment where things are still being snatched and taken from us, I mean, things as valuable as life itself. And so when you're in the, back to the root chakra, when you're in the fight or flight um, mentality, trauma can be ongoing. People use the word microaggressions. I don't think there's anything micro about what we're experiencing in this country um, is people of color. Um, those are major aggressions and they are happening on a daily basis, subliminally, um, psychologically, physically, in every, in every manner, so to speak. And we're, we're constantly dealing with those types of things. So, you know, we'll, I'm just going to go with the PTSD in terms of stress, trauma, but there are also other PTSDs that we're dealing with in terms of sexual or sensual traumas that we can talk about later, but just know that they exist because we live in an environment where it's constantly um, existing and being allowed to happen. 
I was going to say, you just spoke a a bunch of words that were so powerful. And I wanted to take the time out to say thank you to everybody who's watching live because I see there's people that's talking about journaling as medicine and just different things. So today, what I really want to kind of like bring in when it comes to PTSD is that we really do need to have an understanding that trauma is not always this big magnified event. When people think trauma, you automatically think military combat, an accident, a random death. Um, I'm weak because you pull this stuff up. You know, I get distracted. I'm real squirrel, y'all. Um, you, you think those big um, things, but it can be something as small as your mom was trying to put food on the table, but that day that you came home and you didn't like your lunch, but there was nothing else for you to eat, that could have been a trauma. Um, it could have been the time where y'all all came together as a family and you just found out that so-and-so wasn't your real family member. That could be a trauma. Like We've had so many little traumas in our family that we have minimized. And then you want to talk about our trauma of our country. Yes, we can talk about slavery, But we need to talk about the welfare system. And being a social worker, I hate my history as a profession because there was this thing that was called the New Deal. So, yeah, we were free. And then they said, well, you know, I'm going to give you this government housing, but there's a catch to this government housing. There could be no man in your home. So now social workers was night workers. We came in after midnight. If you had a scent of a male, a shoe, a brush, a toothbrush, anything that said a man was here, then what they would say is you got kicked out your house. And then guess what? Now, this is when we got multiple baby mamas and things like that, because one day I can sleep with her and I'm going to go to my other girl house because the social worker already been there. They only going to come once every blue moon. So I need to make sure where I'm going to stay. So like that was a trauma in our community as well. So when it comes to this PTSD, we have so many things that we don't even know that's in play that go beyond women not being paid the same. That goes beyond African-Americans not being able to get certain jobs because of how we show up. Like there's so many different traumas, but how do we get over that? Choices. Now I want y'all to bear with me. When I say choices, this is one of the hardest things that I have to talk to my clients about, especially when it comes to PTSD, because there's certain things that we just cannot change. There are certain things that's just in the fabric of the makeup of our nation that we stay in, our culture. We're trying to heal generational traumas and everything else. But it comes down to choices. What am I going to choose to put my energy on? And I had to choose for myself that trauma was not going to be where I stay. And me being a mental health professional, I have PTSD. Suicidal ideations is where I live. Like I tell people that because I want them to know like you're not struggling by yourself. But every day I choose to live a certain life. Every day I choose to focus on something else. Am I going to be stuck on, well, they may not want to listen to a black young girl that looked like me that ain't even 30 yet? No, I show up and I say they're going to listen to these words. I show up and I say, because of my knowledge, I can sit here and do certain things. So sometimes it goes down to, yes, I had this trauma, but what I'm going to do with it. You can either choose to be that 30-year-old that died, but just don't get buried until you're 70, like Les Brown says, or I'm going to be this 30-year-old that's deciding to do something with my trauma and help somebody pull through, which is what this whole entire podcast for this month is. So that's how we get through PTSD. We choose to do different. We choose to, okay, yeah, I'm going to acknowledge that's my history, but I ain't got to repeat it. I'm going to acknowledge that's my history, but I'm not going to spend all of my time being mad that that's what my history is. I'm going to actually make history today. 
because each one of us on this thing is history. So as I'm telling my story, I am making history and I'm deciding to live a different life. So then my kids don't have to worry about being young and black in America. No, they young black with a gift and a purpose that they was born with. And that's what we're going to focus on. I'm not negating it. They're going to know it, but you're not going to live it. Sheesh. <laughs> Can I snap more? I can't snap Lord, more. Lord, I'm trying Lord, to snap more. Anybody got a mic drop through? <laughs> Microphone everybody, check. Everybody, one, two, one, calm two. Calm down. Calm down. Calm down. Ooh. Okay. Ooh. Okay. Okay. <laughs> everybody calm down. Calm down. Everybody calm down. Calm down. Calm down. That just right, happened. Man. That, that just, just happened. happened. <laughs> that just happened. So one of the big things, one of my biggest takeaways from that um, is creation, is how creation happens, right? Procreation, sexual versus sensual. We get often stigmatized, I believe, as only two characters in this world, which we have to, like you're saying, transform into something else. That's I, I, I have focused on instead of breaking the cycle, replacing the cycle, because if you break it, there's just a bunch of holes everywhere. And now we got this weird ass wheel wobbling around. Right. As opposed to taking out the bad and putting in the good, you know, so it still functions properly. So one, how do we get back to or come back to one good sexual health, like between ourselves, um, between our partners, whatever that means. And then also, how do we begin to appreciate sensual wellness? Because Black women are just women in general are so alluring and we're supposed to be. But there's like this weird connotation where we have to like be dumbfounded by the fact that we're beautiful. And it's like, wait, how do I do both? Like, how do I look at myself in the mirror and take care of myself while simultaneously hating myself? Not the hand gesture. (laughs) Whoa. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? You gotta, you know, theater. I can't clutches pearls how do we do we need to one as women because to some degree i've seen it with all of you we have i know you're sexual because you have children because you've told me stories you know but that is none of my business you being sensual is something that i feel because of your confidence your poise your grace your self-understanding um now when people lack this and i went to a phenomenal exhibit Shout out as uh, she watches this. Hey, sis, I really love your work at um, Downing Gross right now. This woman, Michelle Arts, is doing um, Mirror Mirror on the Wall, where she discusses how women have an issue with self, but what we end up doing is projecting onto other women. Oh, sis, I can't stand you because you have hips and you've worked on your body, and I haven't, is what it really is. But that's not what it sounds like. And then we end up seeming like cats in a bag when that's really not how it should be. So um, to anyone who wants to start, how do we, again, replace and reclaim this healthy sexualness? Because ain't nothing wrong with a little bump of grind. Ain't that what the song say? You know what I'm saying? But at the same time, <laughs> be able to be feminine and alluring and poised and graceful and attractive without being over-sexualized or demoralized or raped or molested or chastised. So how do we, how do we scaffold? How do we 
make those things back to positives? I feel like it goes back to Ageless Wisdom Speaks first question. She said, what does, well, what does divine femininity mean to each of you? And do you agree for harmony versus tolerating? And I think the thing about it is we tolerate what the world has declared as sexuality and sensuality. We tolerate those definitions. Like we are sensual beings. Like that's what we were created. Like, and, and I tell people this all the time. Like when you change your kid's diaper, the first place their hand goes is their private area because they know what that pleasure feels like. But what we've done is we've demonized something. We've made all of these rules and regulations surrounding femininity and our bodies and all these things that now we have elongated something that is natural and normal. So for example, Back in the day, they got married at 13 and 14 years old because God knew the creator knew at a certain age, uh-huh, they gonna want to do a little something, something. But what do we do? We tell people to wait until you're 40, wait until you get your degrees, wait until all your debt is paid off. And then we demonize it. And then we're wondering why masturbation is a thing and watching porn is a thing. Then we don't want to talk about it. And it's because we've elongated something that is naturally at a certain stage of your life. Like when you are a kid, you don't know sex. So when your kid is touching, I call it a pickle sometime with my son. For example, I'll say, Aswan, stop touching your pickle. He like, but it's funny. And he's laughing about it. And I had to think about it. He don't know what sex is. He just knows that it feels good in his little teeny hand. And let's talk about it. My daughter, I had to have a conversation with her like, hey, sweetheart, you're filling out your metabolism like your daddy, but your shape is like a brick house like your mama. So we're going to need you to figure this thing out, like really having those conversations. So I feel like at the end of the day, there has to be a harmony between what is a proper education when it comes to sex and sensuality. What is the right time to have those conversations and us not demonizing something that is so natural? So being able to help our children understand, like, this is what a vagina is and this is what a penis is. Don't tell your kid that's a pocketbook or all those other things. So to answer your question when it comes to, like, molestation and rape is because we have literally taken away something that is so natural as a part of our bodies. So we need to get to a point where... We have those conversations and educate yourself on just normal human development. There is a stage where you're going to go through the phallic stage. That means now I know what this actually is and it feels great, but don't nobody want to talk about it. So then now we wonder why kids are in preschool doing sexual acts because ain't nobody talking about it. Like literally those are the things that can limit that communication, that education. And then when it comes to sexuality and sensualness, being sensual is being one with your body. That's it. But what we've made it is if you wear a certain thing, if you do a certain thing, then now I'm making it sexual. No, I am sensual with it because this is my body. I am sensitive to the things that my body do. That's what I think sensuality is. It's not about sex. It's not about giving yourself up. It's all about, okay, I am one with me. So then when I do share myself in a sexual way, I now can dictate how far I want to go. I now can dictate what you do. And then that limits the rate, that limits the molestation because now you don't have people that nobody talked to about what they were feeling. So now they're not going to be aggressive with someone because now I told you what it actually is. So communication and knowledge, I feel, is what bridges that gap.
I want to answer the question, but she answered the question. Um, <laughs> I can't even answer that question anymore. That's all I was going to say. I was going to say the same thing. Um, to answer the other question that was said, what does divine femininity mean to me? Um, so, so I femininity mean to me the acceptance of all the uh, the whole aspects of a feminine a divine. That means uh, both creator and destroyer. That means both nurturer and and uh, I would say aggressive or aggression because both those things create not only a pol not the polarity but the yeah. full and developed realized person so the idea that a woman has to be this or divine feminine has to be just this that makes absolutely no sense there there if you look at the goddesses of of the culture of our original cultures uh specifically uh west african they're, they're goddesses of change and the goddesses of love there's goddesses of 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 agreements of you know of, of feminine nurture and fertility there's there's all kinds because they all make up the diaspora or the dichotomy of um of femininity of the femininity divine means all of the above it's all one it's all encompassed in one it's not those pieces it's just one um so yeah that's what that means to me and the question of learning how to um the try to bridge the gap between sexuality and sensuality is that we over here are superly oversexed or hypersexualized as a culture and it's always been that way and it unfortunately it's been inundated into our children so what she said about hey i need to explain to you what your body is and explaining to them physiologically and physically so they get the purpose of not just that but then tapping into um what's miss rosalind's over there saying that about your chakras and actually why that energy is there anyway it's a creationary energy it's not just for you to create babies it's for you to create, create. so making yeah. making sure they know that that is what that energy can be used for instead of just oh just willy-nilly throwing it away without having any real tangible understanding of the importance of creationary energy is why we end up in the situation we are today with hypersexualized people. Um, so to invoke sensuality, to know the body, like she was saying, is how you invoke sensuality, is to get in touch with your body. Men, women, everybody can be sensual. It's really how you learn to formulate and work with the machine you're in and your senses. So your senses of smell, your senses of eyes, that's where sensuality comes from, is your senses. So yeah, that's what like what she said. All right, come on, Mama, bring up the rear. I, I'm, I'm enjoying the comments over here. I wish I could answer to uh, respond to all of them. I can't type that fast. <laughs> I'm sorry, <laughs> but I, but I just want to um, I say, you know, you, uh, sis, uh, Sam just hit on it. Of course, uh, sis Malara hit on it. Of course, you hit on it. Everybody's hitting on it about the, 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 uh, well, sensu sensuality. First of all, we have senses. We have we know we have five senses, and we have other senses that. that are not listed. And so mm -hmm. the sense the senses create the the, the sex. So um, it's very important in having sexual relationships to activate the senses. You want to have nice smelling things if you're in a sexual situation. You want to have nice feeling things. You know bears and uh, mink blankets and all that. So if you guys have um, <laughs> candles, incense, whatever, to create the so, mood, that's sensual, sensuality moving into sexuality. But then there's just 
sensuality. And that's just the fact that we are, like you say, sensual beings. We, we, we like touching, we like smelling, we like tasting, we like feeling. And, um, but as far as the sexuality and the post-traumatic stress syndrome thing going on here, or the post-traumatic sexual syndrome, um, just, um, traumatic sex disorder going on, we, we have a lot of trauma, I'm sorry, you know, and it's ancestral and it's genetic and DNA is a mother father. It's not gonna go away. It's there. It does not alter. It's DNA. It's in us. And we can, as individuals, recognizing what's going on, we don't want that anymore. But you can't tear that piece of our, our pieces of our history out and unthread the DNA to make it not happen. It did happen. It 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 can't make it unhappen. But it's there, and because it's there, and because of how it affected uh, our genetic memory in terms of being raped, you know, our ancestors being raped and abused, and us knowing about it. We can feel that, believe it or not, still in our spirit. Because it's spirit. It doesn't go away. It's not going to go away. And so when we're focusing on um, uh, this so-called hypersex, where did it come from? We, as a, as a culture, as a race, you know, as uh, ancestors of the continent, we didn't look at sex the way it's looked at here. That was taught to us. We might have been very sexual human beings, but we were not perverted about it like they are here, like it is being perverted here. Um, we had an order and that order respected that there was a divine feminine and there was a divine masculine. And we became part of a so-called culture or country that didn't have any respect for the divine masculine and feminine. And so here we are stuck with this broken genetic strand in a broken genetic land that has no respect or regard for humanity, whether it be male or female. And they're showing you that. So there's, there's, there's a whole lot that has to be done before we can get to the point where we're gonna be comfortable talking about sensuality and sexuality, because this is not normal for us. This is not how we, this is not our flow. We don't call women hoes that, that have a history of being abused and raped, you know, at will and forced and having their babies snatched from them, women brutalized and men broken. We, that's not who we were. So we can't just come over here and act like that didn't happen and okay we're gonna be okay with sex what we're doing is ignoring what has happened to us mentally physically and spiritually and when you ignore your history and act like it did you know it didn't happen or try to you know make it go away the body, the mind, and the soul remembers. I'm sorry. Yeah, they'll do it and repeat it and repeat it. Not only will yeah, it remember, it will repeat. It's just too much damage. <laughs> it's just too much damage, and it just can't be fixed overnight. It just not going to be fixed with the uh, 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 um, some sex toy. <laughs> you know, it's damage. 
This is well, here, critical damage. I don't say here's it. No, no, no. You're fine. Here's the thing. And then the day, you know, we have to start opening up the door to our black and brown homes because what ended up happening is because we didn't want to talk about our history and we're so big on trying to find what our identity is outside of slavery. We were kings mm. and queens in Africa. And now yeah. let's just pull on that. It's like, yeah. okay, we can pull on that. But where we are right now, just mm -hmm. like you said, that spiritual, that emotional, that physical, all of that, when it came to sex, listen, what we don't understand is even in the black and brown community, People don't want to breastfeed anymore because we want to talk. We don't want to talk about the history of breastfeeding and how if their wives got pregnant, they raped us, oh. got us pregnant, took our kids, sold our kids just so that we can actually be wet nurses for mm -hmm. their, you know, their wives. Like we don't want to talk about these things because we are afraid that we're going to step on people's toes. But tonight I'm going to do that just for a little bit. So at the end of the day, when it comes to sexuality, in our community specifically, it has been demonized because it was taken away from us. And then the moment that we had a chance to be our own families, then we had, sorry, men, you may not like this, but then we had men in our family that then did the same act that our slave masters did on them onto their children, their, um, their nieces, their nephews. And then now we have molestation and incest so running rampant in our families then we made songs about it and we made it a great thing about our father being a rolling stone so now you got this family on this side you got two three four five families on that side most people that are older than me and my generation they got other siblings that they can't count let's just say that and we kept repeating the same thing is that the repetition comes from not wanting to acknowledge i feel like if we have more conversations like this and really talk about our history and talk about how we demonize sex. Why? Because it was used as a tool of control over us, number one. And then two, you're going to repeat what you know. So we begin to repeat what we knew. And then nobody wanted to talk about it because you can't get granddad in trouble because he got to go preach on Sunday. So if you tell them about granddaddy, then we're not going to be able to be a family no more. So honey girl, you better not say nothing. So then now we have other people who are stressing and then we're not going to have a conversation with our kids. Then our kids are going out there and they're doing everything underneath the sun. I was one of those kids. I lost my virginity at 13. So listen, we didn't have those conversations. So now I am a product of three to 13 doing things with family members. Like it's, it's a bunch of things that we don't want to talk about, but if we don't talk about it, then what's going to end up happening is as much as we want to have this me too movement and we want to have all of these conversations and everybody want to joke about R. Kelly and and uh, Bill Cosby and all these people. Listen, we joking about them, but we repeating the same things in our own family units because don't nobody want to talk about it. Don't nobody want to talk about our kids that are in preschool that are doing oral sex behind bookshelves because nobody want to talk about their sexuality and how they feel. But they're seeing people do it. And then we use it as a tool to weaponize certain things because we're repeating patterns that don't nobody want to talk about. So how do we reclaim our sexuality? Talk about it. I see so many comments and I love y'all that talks about don't talk about it in the school system. Why not? Because parents ain't talking about it. 
So how your kids supposed to know the do's and don'ts if ain't nobody want to talk about it because we want to make sure that they Christian enough and save their virginity till they're 30 years old. Listen, that don't work. I got a promise ring at 13 and guess what? I lost that bad boy uh -huh, six months later because nobody talked to me about what it was. So we need to do so much more on really educating ourselves on our history so that we can stop it. History going to continue until you actually acknowledge it. It doesn't mean I got to accept it and now I want to say, oh, this is great. And no, I'm not going to wear it as a badge of honor, but I'm going to acknowledge it so that my kids don't have to go through the same thing so that I don't have to go through the same things. Because I was a victim of so many of that stuff that people don't want to talk about. And I love this comment, religion versus humanity. Religion has stopped us from being human. I love my God. I love my Christian folks. I love church. But our religion has stopped us from having a human experience because we don't want to talk about those things that we actually go through on a day-to-day -day basis. And we wonder why our kids are out here doing things to each other they shouldn't do. So it goes down to acknowledgement. If I could best come in for one second, because of, I know that the religion is, I, I know I, the the religion that was given to us is killing us. You're right. But the concept of religion or religious, religious or ritualistic, it's the same word root, uh, is that you are doing something in a way that is not only giving you power, but is, is, a, is a form of discipline and, and showing you how to live culturally in the world. So in that concept, we need to be able to teach our children that their body are, their body is temples, their bodies are temples. And, the, and boys, boys specifically and girls, because boys are unfortunately are are torn or shown that they need to be man whores, and it just it really adds on to the body count, adds on to the the disparity of, of viewing women on how to view women, on even how to be around a woman. So teaching the the concept of being a temple that this this thing that you're in not only is creationary and can create things and create things for you but it is a temple for which you the spirit are, are in and therefore what kind of temple do you want you want a temple that's trashy and got everybody in it and everybody's been around and they messed up your whole spot or do you want something that's a little hard to get into do you gotta go to the initiation you gotta go to to all the the the, the rigorous times to be in this temple because it is so vast and beautiful and you take so good care of it that's the concept that I think is being lost when when told when told about sexuality is, you know, what are you doing with the body? You are not the body, but what are you doing with the body that was given to you? So sheesh. Listen, yo. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so what I heard, I got that I got the I got the recap just in case nobody caught that because y'all dropped a whole lot of jewels and I don't know how much they got, you know what I'm saying. So real quick, the biggest thing I heard in everything is education and communication. Am I right? And what I heard is that uh, the two things that we got like six minutes left. So ladies, we're going to push these two together because they really go together. Right. Education, communication in child rearing and what is beautiful. How can these two things with femininity as the as the great teachers of the world? Because that's what we are. And for those that don't know, we start teaching now, immediately. Everything we're doing, everything I'm doing right in this moment is teaching my unborn children how to behave in this world. So with that being said, that, that goes from what I eat to what I drink to what I read to who I talk to, <laughs> how y'all talk to me, where I go. Right. So 
again, really quickly, child rearing and what is beautiful, what can we do to help create that abundance mindset? Because I think in teaching a discipline to a child, then you inherently begin to become disciplined. So how can we scaffold and help those who don't know teach those who really don't know so that we can all learn and grow at our own pace together? Um, I can start with yourself on that end for like child rearing when you know you've come up at finding the curiosity of children uh, and, and, and then showing them as you show yourself what is beautiful because for a long time we didn't know or what we were told wasn't it wasn't who we are so describing the feminine and being having different like not just one archetype having different archetypes so yes this is beautiful because she has such and such going on or this is beautiful because her her eyes are really beautiful or her hair has to be beautiful the aspects of a person that make them beautiful as well as the content of the character that's what can be shown while we're rearing our children. What is what is beautiful to them is not just simply the outside characteristics of an individual. That can fucking change language. Sorry, that can change. Um, but not not so much the content of the character. And then your ability to pick out what is beautiful is based upon what you can find beautiful in yourself. So having those those mirror mirror conversations with your children standing in front of the mirror like hey what do you find beautiful about yourself male or female what do you find beautiful about this person or that person and what do you find beautiful about your friends people you know and those things can elevate what beautiful is it is not just this outward appearance it's it's all encompassing go on sis Okay, so <laughs> um, I, I would say for me, when it comes to child rearing, this has been the most difficult task that I have received in my life um, because I do know what the trauma looks like, especially when it comes to this topic specifically. Um, so for me, I had to learn to not parent from my trauma self. Um, because again, I was exposed to sexual things at three years old. Um, and then I was sexually assaulted at 16 and again on a job. Um, so for me, the way that I parent at first was from a trauma space because I lost two children before my oldest. And then I almost died with my youngest. So that helicopter mom, like, let me, you know, do all these things. But what I had to learn was number one, give myself grace and realize that I can only give what I got. Wayne Dyer says, if I need 12 oranges and I ain't got it, I got to go to the store and get it. And what I did not have was self-love. What I did not have was understanding my own beauty. So I had to go on my own journey of finding out how I am beautiful and knowing how to define that the way my creator defining it when he created me. So it took me to go to therapy. It took me to go to coaching and then also trying to use my village around me and being honest with my struggles with parenting to be able to really see my children. And then the second thing was just communication. Um, I tell my children all the time how beautiful they are. I'm very mindful with my words. So if I'm in a space and I'm emotionally charged, I will not discipline. I will not say anything. Um, I am always in a space of maybe I need to wait before I say something because sometimes we will kill our kids' beauty by disciplining them in the heat of our emotions. 
Um, so that for me is what I try to do is trying to take a step back. And then also number three, being an example with my life. Every event that I do is focused on self-love. So, for example, and many people may be like, for real, for real. So, like, in March, I'm doing a, a women's project, and I'm letting my daughter see it. I want her to see women who turn their pain into purpose. Um, and then on the 26th, I'm doing a self-love boudoir photo shoot. My daughter is six. Guess what she's going to see? That boudoir photo shoot. Why? Because I want you to know that you are beautiful on the outside. I want you to know that this is not sexual and sex. This is about you loving the creation of who you are and being able to look in the mirror and love your curves, love everything about you. Like that's what I do. And that's how I make sure that they know that they're beautiful is by how I live my life, how I communicate with other queens, how I communicate with other kings and my conversation and words that I choose. There is life and death in my tongue, and I do that with my kids as well. All right, wrap it up, Mom. Tell me, tell me. It's, it's, it's a whole lot left. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? So they said everything, but I will say, <laughs> as always, I would say start, like Sis said, with how you, when you're rearing your children, you teach them to love themselves from the inside out. And one of the things that you want to do, and this is for anybody, teach your children their history, teach them their family, let them see pictures of their elders and ancestors, show them what they look like, show them what you, what, what they're working with. This is, you might look like this when you get old and you better take good care of yourself. We got uh, uh, these predispositions to these diseases in our family. So you got to take care of yourself here. Um, you know, talk to your children, like sis said, with love. If you can't speak in a, in a tone of love, just table it for another time. Don't, don't speak to them out of anger and whatnot, because, you know, they're very, very, very uh, fragile. And so when you're saying what is beautiful, you're telling them what's beautiful. You are telling them where, where to look for beauty within themselves and their own family from from their history into their future. This is what you are. This is where you came from. And this, if you do right, this is where you're going to go. And I'll leave it at that. I love it. So we are at time, right? I will say, Mama, I will replace one word. I wouldn't say that they're fragile. I would say that they're impressionable. Right. I love that even better. Thank you. And uh, we want to leave a good impression on the children. So like leaving a good impression since we're at the end of the show, ladies, real quick, if you will start, Sam, and then Myra, then my mom, just tell me where we can find you real quick. And then we'll sign. Well, I'll pull Brother Seiko in to sign out. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you can find me online uh, at Deskalima on Instagram. Uh, you can also find me on Golden Flows of Funkhauser, underscore Golden Flows of Funkhauser for any dance tutorials just to get your body moving. Um, and I will be holding a Welsh uh, workshop uh, soon in July with Medi Mommy. So you can look for me there. Thank you. Okay, so you can find me at Malara Transforms on Instagram. And then listen, y'all, go to my YouTube channel, okay? Because you're not going to uh, 
miss out. We're doing a women's project. So that's Transforming with Malira. And this entire month, we're talking about how her story is making history. And I am claiming that by the end of this project, y'all, I'm going to get to 1,000 uh, subscribers. So that's what we're going to claim today. And on the 26th, again, I'm having that self-love photo shoot. It is bourgeois in nature, but I want for people to know that your body is beautiful. And yes, we can love ourselves from the inside out, but it's time for us to also love the creation of our outside. So that's where you can find me at. Alrighty. And I am Rosalind Collins. I am a life coach with Alchemic Aura. That's the name of my company, Alchemic Aura. And uh, I'll put the, uh, I guess you can put the website up there, alchemicora.com. Um, I'm a life coach, reflexologist, um, personal trainer, aromatherapist, you know, some more stuff, but I'll just stop for there. Um, but yeah, well, you can find us, at, you can find us up on Instagram and Facebook um, at Alchemic Aura. Thank you. I love it. I love it. And I've been your host, Joe. This has been the Goddess Tribe Takeover. We're not done yet, right? We still have two more weeks left in March to celebrate uh, Women's History Month. Hopefully some of these ladies will be back with me again to talk about more stuff. Again, there's so much to say and we only got about an hour. So if you're looking for me, find me anywhere, um, fan base, LinkedIn, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, Linktree, Snapchat, TikTok, at Big Goddess Tribe. Um, and I'd love to see you. I'd love to work with you guys mentally, whether it's coaching or physically. We really, really, really want to do whatever we can to be as helpful as we can to you to um, scaffold. You know what I'm saying? We all each reach back to one another and help each other grow. So I hope y'all will tune in with us next week. Ladies, I got to sign out like this to all the ladies in the place with style and grace. Say peace. Peace. <laughs> Take it and take peace. Peace. Thank you, everybody.